This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by your K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Odar, Men, and JR. Hi! Welcome back to the final episode of 2023 for the main K-Pop Sunday podcast. We have reached the end of 2023 and the end of season four of our lovely little show. It's been a long and interesting year. We've tried a lot of new things, met a lot of new people, and learned quite a lot. But most insane of all is that we reached quite the milestone with hitting 10,000 downloads for this little show, which is something neither of us saw coming. But it happened, and here we are. (laughs) So thank you a lot for that. And for the coming year, we got a lot of fun things planned, and if you stick around to the end of the episode, you might even get a little a little spoilers for what's coming in 2024. Got some fun things to tell you about, but that is for later. And now is for what we'd always do at the end of the year, and that is discuss our personal favorite releases in the world of Korean media that we were blessed with. So let's just start with our favorite K-pop music releases of 2023. Since I've been appointed the leader of this group for some unholy reason. So I'm just gonna start, cause why not? <laughs> so, with my personal music taste, I feel like I listen to a lot of just popular songs that I cannot come up with something interesting to say about that other people have not already said. So a lot of the things that I listen to are the ever-iconic, like, Eve Psych and the Bluebeard's Wife by La Seraphim, and Super Shy by New Jeans and Queen Card by G Idol. They're all great. I don't really have a lot of other things to say than, ooh, good song. But <laughs> there is some songs that I actually want to talk about and have a, give a little actual moment to. They may not have been replayed as heavily on my Spotify playlist, but these songs still really stood out for me. And starting off with that, the first one I want to mention is Soyu and Bora's Aloha. And seeing as they are both former Sistar members... Long live the Summer Queens. Aloha becoming a summer pop was inevitable. And the whole mini-album that Soyu released, Summer Recipes, is just a really, really good summer mini-album. So if you need some tropical holiday vibes, go listen to Summer Recipes. It's great. But what's the song you want to talk about, JR? I'm actually going to start off by talking about an artist instead of an individual song my next ones are going to be songs this year i discovered Lee Seung Yoon and it was the earliest but the best discovery for me he has actually been in the game for like a decade now i didn't realize it was that long i knew he had previously debuted but january was the first time i personally listened to his music because that's when shelter of dreams came out which was a studio album and i truly love every song it was curated so well, in my opinion. And like, we were talking about this just before we actually started recording. None of us are like music critics. (laughs) We don't have anything to say about necessarily like the composition or the production necessarily of a song. We just we're we're riding off vibes here. But his pre-release tracks and the title track are definitely a great place to start if you do want to check out this album. So Pricey Hangover, More Than a Prayer, and Shelter of Dreams are all really good, all have pretty different vibes. But 
if you can, I do suggest you check out the entire thing because I think it's less than 15 tracks. So it's a full length album, but it shouldn't take too much of your time. His stuff is definitely like pop rock. It is of my opinion that he has a pretty good variety going on. I can't really speak too much of his old stuff, but Shelter of Dreams was a really solid release and definitely dominated my year in terms of what I listened to. So yeah, that is my first pick. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I had a quite a few favorites this year. And just to go chronologically, the first one I want to mention is 5050's Cupid. I loved it so much. And I already had an eye on them because I liked their debut song last year. And I was intrigued that they were seen by a critic who notoriously doesn't like girl groups. Unfortunately, all of the games that went on after its release has made it more of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> a bop? At this point, definitely a guilty bop. <laughs> what about you, Min? Next release I want to mention is Sandara Park's Festival. Dara just made her official Korean solo debut. Okay, yeah, I know she had Kiss back in the day with CL, and then her actual like singing debut back in the Philippines in 04. Whatever. It's in the past. She has gone a separate way now. <laughs> she has become her own entity. And I love that for her. And Festival is a cover of a 90s song. Dara just really, really, really fits this concept. The kind of fun, perky... Honestly, she's just having fun, and that's the best thing. And also seeing Um Jung-wha make an appearance was so great, even though she likely had some strange feelings about that. But she looked like she was having fun, and I love seeing Um Jung-wha appear, because I've been seeing her just randomly show up in videos and stuff on my lots of different feeds, and I'm like, oh, it's her. Love her. She's been busy this year. Yeah. I follow her on Instagram and she is everywhere. She is. And she also like, she featured on a song that came out very recently that I was like, why would you feature on this person's song? Like, it's a good song. It fits. But like, this is like not a known person. This year, there were quite a few singers who were big, like back in the day, you know, like one of like the big divas who were extremely active this year. Like we saw Kim Wonson. We saw Om Jung Hwa. We just saw like everybody was doing everything. All the greats were in the news and it was just wonderful. But it was very like, what is happening? Yeah, loved seeing her appear in a cover of her own song that she may or may not have liked back in the day. But really fits Dara. Like Dar Dara was made for this. <laughs> Love that for her. My first individual song pick is Dear My Light by Dawn. And I do want to kind of preface this pick with a couple of things, as many of you know, if you've been listening for a while. I'm a big fan of Pentagon, but I was never especially a big fan of Dawn, though, of course, I thought the Cube situation was absolutely wild and the company handled it extremely yeah. poorly. And also, I was having a rough go of it at the beginning of this year. <laughs> <laughs> for a few different reasons. But all that yeah. being said, this song was on repeat for a very long time. And according to Spotify, it was my top song of the year, which is not surprising to me. <laughs> I listen to it a lot. The main thing about Dawn is I'm not a huge fan of like the kind of whiny 
two-toned rap that he and some other k-pop rappers do but i do think that his singing voice is actually really pretty like i think the same thing about g-dragon i'm not a huge fan of his rap but i think his singing voice is actually really nice so similar thing here (laughs) but yeah the song itself the guitar is so pretty and the messaging is really heartbreaking because you can kind of see from the song that it is likely about his ex-fiance hyana I'm feeling a lot better now, as opposed to when the song first came out and I was obsessed with it. (laughs) But this song still holds like a place (laughs) in my heart because it's just, it's really pretty. And yeah, I like it a lot. Don actually also had a, he was featured on Park Bomb's release from a few months back. Yeah. And he was also singing. He wasn't rapping in that. I thought it was really nice. They actually sounded really good together. Yeah. I like it when you hear someone like just do like one style of music and then they switch to another one. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I did not pay attention to you yeah. until this point. Because yeah. there are quite a few artists like that for me where it's in the same direction where there's some people who their rap, I'm like, okay, whatever. But then their singing voice has me going, oh, right. Like, I'm really interested in that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Because I, knew, I do know that some people are put on rap because mm-hmm. either how they talk or their knowledge of english or whatever or their group just needs a rapper (laughs) exactly it's like they really should be a vocalist Mm -hmm. i also i think that with unhyuk he's typically thought of you know rapper Mm -hmm. dancer but yeah he's got his singing voice is fine (laughs) like i would like for him to hear him singing more that's anyway beside the point (laughs) the next song i loved was play love games by kiss of life this was one of the solo member songs that culminated in the debut track, which their whole debut strategy is fascinating to me. And I think it's good at putting a spotlight on every member, making them memorable because they each had like their own storyline and their own style of music, which I thought was interesting. And while I'm not fond of the lyrics for this song, it's very catchy and Hano became my bias in the group because of it. Mm. It had a really good year, Kiss of Life. Yeah, I think that they're the main rookie group that I paid attention to this year because of this song. And then I think I heard the three other ones and I was like, eh, whatever. I heard this one, I'm like, oh, I'm interested. Then I gave them a chance and I listened to their debut. And then they had a recent comeback. I listened to that and I was fascinating because they all have a storyline. I'm like, okay, interesting. Yeah, they're really good at making compelling music videos that connect with each other. So a very interesting group. Next up in the music realm of things that I enjoyed, I really liked XG this year. We have internally had discussions about, are they a K-pop group or not? And honestly, I don't really care. Anyway, their music this year has been great. Shooting Star, really good. Left Right, Love That Dance, Girl Gang, so fun. TGIF, Puppet Show is all really good and they're really good at marketing themselves and they have an interesting strategy. We also slightly talked about their fashion choices in the last episode because I feel like they have a very particular aesthetic. You can tell when it is an XG song not only from how the song sounds but from their visuals as a group but it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over again. They're very good at like having a specific brand and then branching out and doing different things. So they're a very interesting group to follow. I like them a lot. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. well, I'll give my final 2023 pick, and that is Friends, stylized as F-X-X-X-N-D-S by Big Naughty and Eamon Sock of Mellomance. This song is super chill and laid back. It's pretty heavy on guitar and not a whole lot else in terms of instrumentation. So the vocals and rap are really the main feature. Just in general, I actually listened to quite a bit of Big Naughty this year and I feel like I've become a fan. <laughs> he also released an album called Hopeless Romantic in February, so I recommend that as well. Lee Soo-hyun of Akmu is featured on the track of the same name as the album, so I suggest that song Ooh. as well. But for this song in particular, Eamon Suk's voice melds really well with Big Naughty's, even if he is only there for a short while. But yeah, it's just a really catchy song, and it was continuously playing in my head after Dear My Light. <laughs> so yeah. Those were those were my main ones from 2023. Nice. I've been casually interested in groups from Dr. Music since Baby Vox, so I was already following Black Swan, but this year it felt like they hit their stride musically and promotionally. My personal favorite song from them was Cat and Mouse because it was cute but functional, and I have very high expectations and hopes for the group next year. This year... I found another trot girl group to sell my soul to. <laughs> if you have listened to our other year-end things, I love myself some trot girl groups, especially when there's a duo, and very recently, a duo appeared, and that is The Two Sisters. They only have one single so far, Loves Macchiato. It's perfect. I love it so much. They are a duo. They are under JG Star Entertainment. Their styling is giving me the Kokosori vibes I've been missing since that whole thing went combust. I don't know. Both of the members of two, the two sisters started out as soloists. And no, they are not sisters. Oh, but funny. man, is Love's Macchiato a good song. I am weak for... Trot girl groups, okay? They just bring me so much joy. I really hope they're gonna release more music, but with my track record of finding trot girl groups, they're just gonna disappear. This this happens every year. Every year I'm like, oh, look at this trot girl group, and then they just vanish. But I really hope that doesn't happen for the two sisters, because this song is bomb. Love it. It's great. Am I possibly, like, a 90-year-old grandma in my soul? Yeah. Normally, I don't listen to a lot of music in a particular year, and I struggle when it comes to these episodes with finding enough songs to mention, but this year was the exact opposite problem. I listened to so much music this year, and I have so many favorites, so I'm going to be going through my last three. According to my YouTube recap, I've listened to a lot of NCT this year. To be frank, I really enjoyed the SM concert that started the year and that heavily influenced what I listened to in 2023. But the NCT 127 song, Backcheck, was by far my favorite SM release this year. It hit everything right, from the lyrics to the sound to the line distribution. I love it when every member of a group shines, and it felt like Tail and Utah especially came out of this looking stellar. And Tail really deserved it. <laughs> it was really nice seeing Utah really getting the screen time and lines that he deserved. 
And an artist I've been dying over with Min is Zero Park. His latest EP is fascinating as he's released music videos for pretty much every track at this point, and they have a range of topics that are tied together with the reused sets and overarching storyline. My personal favorites are Bye 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 and Hero in the Mirror. The final song I want to talk about is one that I discovered early this week, and I'm obsessed with it. DPR Ian's Don't Go Insane is a masterpiece, and even though I've casually liked his stuff before, this is the first one that hit me and I've had it on repeat all week. Normally, I don't include songs that I've only been listening to for a short time, but this is an exception. So, do you want to know my favorite song of the year? It is also DPR Ian's Don't Go Insane. <laughs> Was anybody no. shocked? No, no, I am. I, <laughs> no, didn't, right? I didn't actually read your section. I didn't know. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, no. That's so fun. He released his album Dear Insanity this year, and it's just a really, really good album as a whole. The songs are fantastic. The music videos that he has released for it, Peanut Butter and Tears, So I Danced, and of course don't go insane are all wonderful he has such an interesting way of telling stories both in the project that he directs and in the music that he makes and all of his music videos this year have been such a wonderful mix of art music and dance all melded together with incredible storytelling so i really feel like this album is such a good place to tie up the story of Mito, which he has been telling over now three albums. And I am unsure, but I do believe this is supposed to be the end of that era, and it will be interesting to see where he goes in the future. So yeah. <laughs> Listen to DPR and stuff. And the rest <laughs> of DPR stuff is also very good. Like, they're all really, really good musicians. <laughs> also, Violet Crazy. Very good song. Bad Cold. Oof. So good. Visualizer for Famous Last Words. It's also really good. Love this album, okay, dudes? It's great. <laughs> As for me, my song of the year is G-Idol's I Do, because no other song this year has caused me to drag other people into it nearly as much. It clicked with me like no other song from them has, to the point that when a friend told me she was going to their concert, I begged her to film it if they performed the song, which they did. And that's especially important because that friend and I don't have similar tastes in K-pop anymore. So it was nice to have this connection. Like, we pretty much only agree on second gen and third gen songs that we listen to together in college. And that we have polar opposite tastes. So that was kind of important for me. And then also, I heard it on the radio recently when I was driving with my sister and I was like, shut up, you need to hear this. So <laughs> I don't usually have that kind of like physical, no, stop what you're doing, listen to this now kind of reaction as I did with that song this year. So I had to mention that. Became my song of the year. Nice. Very nice, yes. Let's jump over to some other K-pop songs that we listened to that didn't necessarily come out in 2023. Personally, I haven't really gotten into any older groups or found anything new. I've just been listening to what I listened to last year, so I've been going through BB's Low Life Princess Noir and Jackson Wang's Magic Man, and pretty much everything else that I talked about last year. But what about you, JR? Alrighty, well, my first pick 
is a group called iOS or Infinity of Sound. And they're a kind of quote unquote girl group from the mid 2000s. And they incorporate traditional Korean instruments into their music. And it makes for such an interesting mixture of sounds. I'm a big fan of like fusion genres. And I feel like that's kind of what they do here. Millions of Roses is one of the tracks that I really got into at the beginning of the year, I want to say. It has a repetitiveness that's really satisfying. And the instrumentation is so good because you are hearing these instruments that you don't typically hear from pop groups. Even though they're, I don't know if I'd actually call them pop, but it's definitely more modern. I think I saw them described as new age somewhere. They don't really make music anymore. They have had some more recent performances from what I've seen, but I think it's pretty cool if you want to kind of delve into some more like culturally Korean music and then eventually get into like actual Korean music. And what I mean by actual, it's all Korean music. What I mean by actual is like actual traditional Korean music because there's a whole other realm to look into with that. But yeah. While I do as my song of 2023, the song I actually listened to the most this year is Hyo's Deep. It came out last year, and at the time, I wasn't too interested in it, but when she performed it at the SM concerts at the beginning of the year, I fell in love with it, and I've listened to it so much this year. I never really paid attention to her before, because in Girls' Generation, Sunny and Jessica were my biases, but I'm starting to give her some attention now. This is really good. It's real catchy. Love it that is. song. I love the visuals of it. It genuinely caught my interest. Another song that I gave a second chance to this year due to the SM concert is TVXQ's Chance of Love. Something about the performance changed my thoughts on it entirely, and it might be my favorite song by the duo. And even though I didn't work on the Grace episode, I did listen to all the songs associated with mm-hmm. JR's episode. And I've been a longtime fan of Donna's Diamond, but this year I fell in love with Till the End of the World. Nice. That's a really great segue into my part on groups that I worked on this year. Obviously, I did the Chun Sang Jihee, The Grace episodes. And if you haven't listened to those, I recommend checking them out. But while I liked Chun Sang Jihee's music just fine. The actual music from that project I listened to the most was Donna's solo career pre-girl group. So her first and second albums have some really good songs on them, and I highly recommend taking some time to listen to them if you get a chance. I'm pretty basic and I love Diamond, (laughs) but How to Love and Kiss Me are also really great. So yeah, there's that. And then I do want to mention one last non-2023 artist, and that's E.G. Hoon, and in particular, his songs For You and My Romance. So One The K, the YouTube channel, does this thing where they release old music alongside new drops, and that kind of drove me crazy, because I was like, hold on. Obviously, with a song like this, you can tell that it came out 20 years ago, but with some of the other stuff, you're looking at it, and you think that it was recently released when it wasn't, but that's besides the point. So I came across For You and My Romance while looking at current songs, and I just absolutely fell in love with them. This guy has been a solo artist. He was in the group S. He's acted. He's just a well-rounded performer for sure. 
Wait, hold up. Wait, are you talking about the actor that was in... Wait, wait, wait. This actor that was in S? Yeah. The duo of Kongta and Huesong? Yes. He I was a solo artist. Him. Oh my gosh. I Ma'am, these songs. why didn't you say anything to me before? <laughs> I, I, I almost am certain I sent these songs at the beginning of the year when I found them. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But ah. he's a beautiful human. His voice is incredible. Yes. I actually have not seen him act, I don't think. So I'm not 100% not sure of that. active. Yeah. yeah, I saw that in his film. He's a fun history. But yeah. So yeah, these two songs in particular, I really enjoyed because one, the nostalgia of the early 2000s, which is incredibly present in both of the music videos if you watch them. But also because the Spanish and electric guitars in them are so good and they're really addictive. And I also wrote here that the music videos are like super edgy and dramatic. Again, very reminiscent of the time they came out. So I suggest you watch those as well as listening to the song so that you can have the full experience. <laughs> but yeah, that was my final non-2023 pick. So this year, I finally opened all of my CDs from Korea, kind of because a bunch of HOT fans were like, okay, but you have some unopened XO albums. What if you have a Chris Wu photo card? How are you going to live with yourself? <laughs> and I was like, I hate that you brought this up. Shoot, let's go. So then <laughs> they monitored while I was opening all, was it like 40 albums that I had mm-hmm. still wrapped up? And so I ripped majority of them. Some of them I couldn't like Mooney June's CD. I had to give up on Legend because it has those two different disc types that don't actually, oh. like you can't actually play them in a computer, mm-hmm. which I somehow got it to work like a couple of times in the early 2000s, but I can't do it anymore. I have no idea how I did it back then. But in doing so, I have found some new songs that I enjoy because what I started to do was I would decide on an album and then while I was like in the gym for an hour, I would listen through the whole thing. So if it was a very short like mini album, I would listen to it multiple times. And so I found quite a few new songs that I enjoy that were from the past. And the biggest one to come out of it was ClickBee's Hanula Euro Techno Remix. I pretty much exclusively listened to this song when I was driving. I think I listened to this even more so than the HOT CD that's been in my car for years. Like this might have been played more than HOT this year, which is wild for me. And then last year, I fell in love with Deuce's music. And this year, for some reason, Sangcho was on my mind rent-free. I don't know why I didn't (laughs) like it before but just like how it starts off with the Sungjae solo just him no music just him singing then the music comes in there's just something about it to where I just am so excited whenever it comes on even when I heard it with D-Bass it was like oh you know you get the Sungjae at the beginning it just hits so well Mm. and then the final non this year song I listened to was the Young Turks Club Jong and it just hit me this year like some other ones I've listened to it in the past, but this year I constantly had a craving for it. Hmm. Every year I have a certain group that I'm obsessed with. Last year's was QoQ, and I had a goal of constantly streaming them on Spotify, but then nothing showed up. None of my plays, like, ended up on their statistics. Nothing. So I was just like, okay, screw that. So... If you're wondering how that goal went, it went bust because of Spotify, not because of my efforts. 
Bro, you played your top plays Hogwarts played a hundred attempts. They don't count it unless it's over a this, thousand. That's low ball. You gotta go harder. I there's no way I didn't. There's no way I only listened to a hundred times. There's no way. One song it. you had a hundred and like fifty plays on, which I listened to over for six months all day. That's there's no way it was only a hundred. If you turn off the sound, it doesn't but, count. <laughs> no, I had the song on. When I say I listened to it a lot this year, I meant it. Mm-hmm. I, I listened to the th- I listened to three songs. That was my goal. It's like a rotation. I just constantly had it playing all day. But this year, there was a single artist who had my attention, and that man was Hyunjin Young. I already liked his music and knew some of his history, but when I went back to clarify information for the Deuce episode, I was flooded with lore about him. This man is a nightmare to research because he's always one step ahead. Unlike most first-gen artists, the man knows his historical impact, and he not only did a whole YouTube series explaining the history of himself, but also SM and many other parts of the industry in the early 90s. He's like, oh yes, and so-and-so who turned out to be the CEO of this company. And at one point he mentioned Um Jung Hwa when she just started her career. Like, the man is connected to everything in first gen and industry, like stuff that's big today. He was there at the beginning of it. Like, he's just incredible. If something historical happened, he was there. At one point, I commented to Min and Jared that he needs to write a book because his videos don't have Korean subtitles. And guess what? He wrote one a few years ago, but only physical copies are available. So that's what I mean when I say he's ahead, but he's also behind. It's like, sir, sir. He's also active on Instagram and drops lore all the time, where he shows himself being the first person to do a lot of stuff I'd previously seen attributed to later artists. Like New Jack Swing, for instance. I first saw Deuce be associated with it, and it's like, Boom. No, he debuted with it. And then they came in when they were his dancers. And it's just like, he's always first. It is wild how much he's done and how influential he's been on the industry. But this man needs to understand that he has international fans because his merch doesn't ship outside of Korea. Yet he had a Thanksgiving sale for the US holiday. He might be the nemesis of every person who tries to research K-pop history. I'm a fan of his, but I also have beef with him. Anyway. Even though we love our K-pop, all of us listen to a lot of not K-pop. And we don't get to talk about it, so we have decided that each one of us gets one chance to talk about a not K-pop song. Because we're rebellious like that, and we also do that every year. So, <laughs> for me, personally, I, my music taste, is kind of a mess. I'm very undecisive, and I listen to a bit of anything and everything, and it's not good. <laughs> so trying to figure out, okay, who do I want to talk about is difficult <laughs> for me. Because a lot of the music that I listen to is also things that I listened to when I was like 12. <laughs> and then just a lot of other r- random stuff. Same. Yeah. But I found an artist that I found this year and that I enjoyed. So... I want to mention Snow Wife's debut album, Queen Degenerate. It's a banger. I found Snow Wife through TikTok before she released this album. I think she only had one single out at that time and was just... She is a dancer. She does commercial dance. She's good at it. And she posts a lot of TikToks and she went up on my feed quite a lot. And I was like, yes, this is my vibe. (laughs) Music from TikTok or from creators who use TikTok a lot is generally looked down upon because there is a wide range in the quality, though some of my other most listened to artists this year I found through TikTok and through their followings on TikTok, so maybe that says more about me and my music tastes, honestly. But anyway, 
Queen Degenerate is a short album, but it's really slutty and it's really fun. <laughs> and that was my main vibe for this year. So it's a 10 out of 10. Best song of the album would be Glow or possibly All Night or a song title that I'm not allowed to say because I'd get bleeped. Also, wonderful. 10 out of 10. If you like kind of slutty, girly, pop icon vibes, just go listen to this album. It's great. It's a vibe. And it's a less than 20 minutes long, so <laughs> you're not losing that much in time, but it's a fun time. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah. JR, what non-K-pop thing did you listen to this year? I got pretty into Hosier this year due to someone close in my life. Ooh. And that was great because his latest album, Unreal Unearth, came out in August. And while I don't have a favorite track, the whole thing is really, really good. And I didn't just listen to his newest album. I also listened to his older stuff as well. But yeah, I haven't really listened to Hosier since like take me to church came out like a decade ago yeah <laughs> so it's good yeah though. still a good song still a catchy song but yeah it was it was cool to kind of it, i feel like he has progressed in his music but it still feels very similar to what he released at his debut so i really like that about him but yeah that was my non-k-pop release of 2023 so let's jump over from music to other stuff. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. I'm so good at transitions. So those were our big picks in music this year. Now we're going to move over to drama, news, movies, etc. that we got into this year. Because there's a lot more media than just music that we consumed. As for movies, I watched the 2006 movie 200 Pounds Beauty at the beginning of the year. This is one of those stories where the main character gets an extreme makeover, and I had previously seen dramas like Oh My Venus, but compared to those, I felt like this one had more heart and held up better, which is saying something because, you know, mid-2000s, there's a lot of ooh, but I think that the overall heart and storyline held up better than a lot of later ones that have sort of tried to do the same thing. And I might do a single scoop on this someday because there were so many points that I want to talk about to where I did delete like three paragraphs from the script because I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> the other movie I watched this year was Secret Zoo. I watched it with Chiara in March and we had a great time. But I also might be biased because polar bears are my favorite animals and that animal was very important to the story of this film. And it's another one that, I don't know, Jared, we haven't, just, we haven't even talked about this, but maybe we should do a single scoop on it someday. You know, maybe. <laughs> when I was reading, like skimming past this in the script, I sat there for a second and could not believe that we had watched this movie this past year. It felt yeah. so long ago, just wild how time passes. But that being said, it was a trip to get through. It was definitely, it felt like a 2000s comedy you know, in good ways and bad ways. But yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend watching with a friend if you do choose to do so, because I think most of our enjoyment came from just making fun of the thing. I saw a movie once. Wow. <laughs> I actually saw a singular Korean movie. This year I've been going to the cinema quite a bit actually and it's been weird but have i delved into the korean movies slash korean dramas at all no still still no that that takes too much effort for me and no but 
I did go see a singular Korean movie because it was a premiere showing, even though the movie actually came out in 2022, but it had never like actually been in theater years because it's not like a huge movie in that sense. But this year, 2023, there was a brief showing of it. And that movie was Project Wolf Hunting, directed by Kim Hong-sun. And this movie was a hot mess, but it was a movie. But the experience around it was absolutely amazing. God, I want to tell a guest story. (laughs) So, this movie premiere was hosted in collaboration with a cinema and a K-beauty web store. So... (laughs) The people from the K-Beauty store had, like, put up a, like, a red carpet, but in their color, which is purple instead, and, like, had balloons, and, like, had a little tent outside of the theater where they were doing, like, little games where you could win prizes, and then they had, like, food and other things outside of the cinema, but, like, inside the reception area type deal, and made it all cute and nice. And it was like a whole event to it all, and there was goodie bags, and the movie itself was shown in a luxe cinema, so like the more bougie luxury thing, where the chairs are like big reclining chairs that has like heating in them, and like a leg rest, and you can- it was an 18 plus showing, because this is a- this was a horror movie, sci-fi, thriller thing. It- It was a lot of things. (laughs) But yeah, there was a bar. You were allowed to bring alcoholic beverages into said cinema if you wanted to. So that was really cool. The tickets for this event was pretty cheap. It wasn't a full house, even. (laughs) So it was super intimate and it was a good experience. And the people hosting it also had like a lucky draw thing where they like spun a wheel and was like, okay, this row, somebody wins something. That ended up being me. I won a goodie bag and I never win anything. So I was like, what? And I got, (laughs) yes, I got a little bag of skincare and new things. And it was, it was just a good experience. And thus, since I had a good experience going to the premiere, my brand is like, yeah, that's a good movie. That's a little questionable. We talked about me trying to explain this movie to you guys in a single scoops one day. Because I could not talk about it here. No. <laughs> One day, maybe. Maybe I will show you guys this this phenomenon of a movie. One day. It was a good time, though. Very good time. That was my story. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> lovely, lovely. It sounds like a fun, a fun time. Yeah, it's good that you got fun. Yeah, I have been prioritizing trying to go to things unless it's like unreasonably expensive. So I have gone to. a couple of movie mm. premieres this year which has been strange but i did see mar the the barbie premiere that was really good <laughs> super mario bros premiere that was really good fnaf premiere the cinema didn't go all out i wish the cinema had done more for the cinema that i went to at least for the fnaf premiere because it sold out so fast and i don't think that cinema thought that this movie was gonna so- sell out that fast anyway love going to the mm. cinema support your local cinema if you can Wait. <laughs> As for dramas, I watched Rooftop Room Cats with Jara this year, and we're not doing a single scoop on it, <laughs> it because it wasn't as good as I remember it being since I last saw it over a decade ago. 
which is sad because it was the first Korean drama I watched all the way through and the second DVD box set I got and I was thrilled when I found a physical copy of the OST in Songdo. So I had such fond memories of it. Then rewatching it with JR, I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know why I liked it in the first place, but it definitely was not what I remembered it being, mm-hmm. which is sad. There were good parts of the story, but I feel like some of the poor writing unfortunately overshadowed it. But yeah, the actors were pretty good for what it was because you know early 2000s k-dramas they have a tinge of (laughs) unrealisticness that you really have to suspend your disbelief for but it was a fun experience i enjoyed watching it with you it was not my favorite k-drama of the year though (laughs) Alrighty. so that being said i actually will not be doing a k-drama rundown like i have for the past few years due to a few different reasons mostly i don't have time (laughs) But I did want to mention a handful of dramas just for those people out there who care. So I wanted to mention The Glory that came out super early this year. It was really good if you look outside all of the crazy cast accusations that came out a little bit after it finished. It was really satisfying and had a lot of really great acting. Lee Hyun Do is always a joy to watch in like anything he's in. And I really loved seeing Song Hye Kyo do something different than her usual roles because I feel like she kind of had a little bit of a typecast of being like the girl next door and someone really sweet and fluffy. But this was a revenge drama and she brought everything to the table. It was really incredible. That being said, it is quite graphic especially for a K-drama. I feel like a lot of K-dramas shy away from that stuff. It's not like, I don't want to say it's like Squid Game graphic at all, but it had some scenes that, you know, keep in mind that they exist, whether that be sexually, violently, etc. So there was that one. My next one was Crash Course in Romance, and this one snuck up on me. The show was almost completely over by the time I got into it, but... There was that viral scene of the one guy saving one of the main characters from falling down a staircase. He essentially like does an oblique kick and like catches her back with his foot. And that scene went crazy viral. And I thought it was hilarious. So I decided to watch it. It's pretty much a comedy, but it does have a little twist that I wasn't expecting. And I felt like it was done pretty well, given that the tone shifts quite a bit near the end of it. The cast was really good, very endearing, and I highly recommend this one. Finally, I want to talk about Behind Your Touch, which was so ridiculous that I have to mention it. Actress Han Ji-min's character, who I love, by the way, she's great. She gets powers that allows her to see people's memories if she touches their butt. And wild events follow that. (laughs) <laughs> it's it kind of feels like an old school k-drama and how silly it is but it also gets a little bit darker near the end so it felt pretty fresh in that way i think and i will watch anything that Eamon Gee is in and he was the lead male actor in that suho from exo is also present though i do wish his character had a little bit more to work with though i think that overall he did a pretty good job but yeah just a really strange concept that somehow ended up working out really well. But yeah, those are my K-drama suggestions, recommendations for 2023. 
As for news, there was one piece that I want to share because it made me laugh so hard. And it was an article that came out this year where someone tried to buy a ticket to a concert. Instead of the image showing their seat in the audience, their square was up on the stage. This led to people being amused and congratulating the person on their debut. The image appears to be from last year, but many people took humor in it being shared around in 2023, as there's a joke tweet from 2019 at Buy for Utah that says, quote, The year is 2023. You're at an NCT concert. You look to the left, there is an NCT member in the audience. You look to the right, more NCT members. The staff are NCT members. Everyone is an NCT member. Even you are an NCT member, unquote. That made me laugh <laughs> really hard. So I just wanted to share that with everyone. That's funny. Fun. We all have some sort of K-pop collection. How big that is and what those contains vary drastically from person to person here. But we want to talk about how our collections of K-pop stuff has grown this year. I personally bought two albums this year. And this was actually the first time I bought, like, plain CDs that I bought new for K-pop because most of my collection is bought used or secondhand and I have a few items that I bought like new in the store but I've never bought like a normal CD with like a normal CD case like the few albums that I have are like books basically like weird things <laughs> that I bought new all of my like jewel cased CD albums all of them are secondhand, except for these two. Those were the only two albums that I bought this year, and I bought them new, mint, fresh, untouched. Very strange. <laughs> Anyhow, the albums that I bought were DPR Ian's Mood Swings Into Order, aka the second Mito album. This one is from 2022, and it's a really good album and has basically no skips, and I'm pretty sure that I talked about it last year because it's good. So if you buy K-pop albums for like all of the inclusions, like the photo cards, the photo books, the everything, this album is not that. <laughs> I knew that like before buying the album, but if you are collecting albums and that's a big thing for you, th this is not the album for that because it doesn't really come with anything. It's just an album. Like it's a uh, cardboardy type of material on the CD holder and then it's the CD. But it looks really cool because the outside coating is heat reactive. I'm pretty sure that is how the first Mito also is heat reactive, which is really cool. It's all red. The disc itself looks really good. It's just, it's a good album. But if you're like, I want to buy the thing for all of the other things except the CD, you will be disappointed. But I <laughs> love it. <laughs> I sadly missed the pre-order for Dare Insanity. I was work at the time but it still seems like I will be able to find it easily so that is what I'm hunting for for next year and I'm also still on the hunt for Mood Swings in Disorder which was his first EP or first mini album the first Mito album but my god the secondhand prices are still a mess they have dropped because when I first started looking for this album it was sitting at about 700 USD and now it's down to somewhere between 500 and 600 USD, which is still far too expensive for what I can justify buying a singular album. But one day I do want a full set because 
these CDs next to each other look so cool and I just, I crave it. And also, the music is really good. So far, all of these three albums, really good musically. <laughs> I cannot justify using like 600 US dollars. That's mm. like my rent on a singular album. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> and the second album that I bought this year was CL's Alpha in the mono version. So the one that came in like a little cloth bag and then the album case itself was like made out of felt. And it is some of the coolest packaging of an album that I own at least. Like there's a lot of very interesting K-pop album packagings out there, but this one is just really cool and I also personally loved the Alpha album as a whole. But the little collector gremlin inside of me is like, ooh, but now that I have this one, I do want the other version too. <laughs> Even though it's just the same album, I'm pretty sure it comes in a clear jewel case and with just a CD in it. And I think there's also is a special edition out there somewhere that has like photo cards and whatnot in it. But it's basically just a clear jewel case. Do I need it? No. But do I want it so that I have it? Yes. <laughs> but... I don't need it. This is why I cannot collect things, especially not photo cards, because it would be a problem real fast. No. <laughs> but yeah, that is the two albums that I got this year. Very, very nice. Yes. So, someone needs to take my eBay account away from me, because for some reason, <laughs> specifically on eBay, there are so many sellers that sell brand new albums for so cheap, and I do not understand how that works like some of it probably is surplus but others i'm not sure because i don't think i paid over 15 dollars with shipping for any of the albums i purchased this year i don't know but it's okay because now i have them <laughs> but <laughs> to start the year off i got a brand new possibly even a first press of i use first mini album lost and found and it was one of those, I remember it as being one of those, I deserve a little treat moments, but I don't even remember exactly what the treat was for at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to start my IU collection. And I don't typically have to buy things in like the order they were released, but this was just like a random out of the blue find. So my first IU album is her first album. So I like that. Then for my birthday, I had family members get me Jung Seoon's third EP, Another, his first studio album, 24 Part 2, and his debut EP entitled Ever. The debut has been like impossible to find, but I did find a seller that had a copy with all the inserts in pretty much perfect condition. It was used, but the other two were new, and I'm also slowly making a collection of all his work because I don't think any of his albums, I'm like, yeah, th this isn't good. So I, I really only like to own albums I really enjoy. And finally, I got Kim Sung-gyu's live album entitled Shine, and it just has like live versions of some of his stuff, which again, I'm a huge fan of him. He had some good releases this year too, but I got this album simply because it was so cheap. Like it was $8 with shipping. Again, why? I don't know. It's good for me, not good for my bank account, but I have no but. That's the end of my, that's the end of it. I just, I really, I really 
got some good deals this year. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> As for me, this year my collection grew with three items I wasn't expecting. First, I got Jackie's and Geodie's light sticks because I saw them available and wanted to get them before they sold out. I didn't even know Geodie's was sold outside of Korea and Jackie's has been suspiciously absent, so I wasn't going to take a chance. Jackie's is charming because of the balloon, which doesn't deflate easily, so fair warning if you're thinking of getting one for yourself. But Geodie's is the finest light stick I own. It's hefty and very bright, as my poor cat and I found out the hard way. The other item that I got that I wasn't expecting was HOT Forever. Yes, the book that I've been working on for ages, I finally got a physical copy that has all the pages intact and none of the ink is smudged like the scans found on archive.org. GR was the one who found it for me on eBay, so GR, don't, you know, lock yourself out just yet. <laughs> And I was so stressed over it because I wasn't home when she sent me the link and I had to wait an hour until I could get home and hope that nobody got it before me. And I didn't even care about the condition of it. And I just ran to my computer when I got home and bought it. But now I have it and it has changed so much for me. Like the freedom to just turn around and just grab it and like flip through pages instead of just like having to go through scans or having to find like words it is an absolute game changer it has made things so much simpler for me but it's probably the most important purchase i've ever made for a k-pop item unfortunately though those purchases were big so my annual budget for k-pop which of course i have to have one because otherwise it can get out of control real quick but the budget i had for the entire year was up within the span of a few weeks so here's hoping that next year i'll get the items i'd put money away for that went to these three instead. And finally, not a physical item, but I did buy the ebook version of Jessica's Bright. So I read it and enjoyed it. But the drawback is that now I want to get back into making bags because the descriptions she gave in her book had me thinking about designing again. So send help. Completely unrelated to that, but I went to a concert this year. I've surprised myself with how many concerts I've gone to this year. There was still many that I just could not afford to go to that I wanted to. But I went to a small handful of shows this year, which was really fun. Though I've yet to see like an actual K-pop concert. I've not been. But I did see a Korean band this year. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So earlier in May, I believe it was, I saw the Korean indie rock band Jambinai. They are kind of an experimental folk rock band using Korean folk instruments along with your typical rock instruments. They played a show at a local bar, so it was a super, super tiny venue. Not a lot of people were there, so it was super intimate. And before the show started, I didn't have anywhere to sit, so I ended up just like sitting on the stage, like... It was that short that I could, it was like at the height of my knees type of short onto the ground. You could have touched them if you wanted to, but that would have been real, real weird. <laughs> Don't do that to people playing shows. Be nice. I wouldn't even thought of that. Who even thinks to do that? Dude, with how many people have been throwing items mm -hmm. at singers this year, it's been bad. 
People are weird. It's just weird. It's like, why? Yeah, it's... There's been a lot of weird... But anyway, their music isn't very singing heavy. It's mostly instrumental, though there is... There is definitely singing involved, but they just have very interesting music. And they didn't have a translator with them, so they didn't do a lot of talking, but they really let the music speak for them for most of it. And it was just a really cool experience. And if you ever get the chance to see this band, you should go just for the experience of it, even if their music isn't really your style. They are a really good live band and definitely worth going to hear them play. So yeah, Jambi and I, very good. Very nice, very jealous. <laughs> okay, shifting to the next section, we're gonna talk about predictions from last year that came true or just like a little update on predictions we had made in 2022 for this year, 2023. So I said last year that I think only some Pentagon members will stay at Cube. And I was saying it's possible that the group may split, but I hope that they don't. And you know what? I was right. As mentioned in our Look Back episode that came out a couple of weeks ago. Listen to that if you haven't had a chance to yet. Please and thank you. Yoan, Yanan, Yuto, Kino, Wusuk, and Hongsuk left Cube Entertainment. That means that Hui, Jinho, and Shinwan are still there, for now at least. But thankfully, they're not disbanding. There has been some weird stuff with Yanan, but time will tell what all of that ultimately comes to. He's been kind of distant from the group. But yeah, they only had a Japanese and a fan song release. It was called With Universe. It was very sweet. But yeah, they didn't have a full group comeback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of comebacks this coming year in 2024. My other hope was for an FT Island comeback. Hongi did not have a comeback, unfortunately, but yeah, Prima Donna's, that is me, I am Prima Donna. I was blessed with a mini album called Sage. The title track is of the same name and it's just a very FT Island album. And I say that with the utmost praise and affection. <laughs> it's like a rock power ballad and that's obviously right up my alley. That's obviously right up their alley. But overall, the mini album is pretty nice, and I was very thankful that they did finally have a comeback, because their last one, I believe, was in 2021. At least their last Korean one. They have done Japanese releases since then. But yeah, what about you, Oldar? So last year, I predicted that Lucas's contract wouldn't be renewed, and I doubted Wavy would have a comeback. Lucas did end up leaving NCT, but Shotaro and Sungchun got taken out as well, which was not what I ordered. Wavy did have a comeback both at the end of last year and this year. Phantom was class, but blame it on my youth was grading, so I was only right about Lucas. Also, as some claims NCT's contracts don't expire until next year, even though they debuted in 2016, so it should be the seven years, because they're using the same math that got them in trouble with the FTC in the first place. When I made my contract renewal prediction last year, I did not factor that in because at the time, I thought the seven-year rule was a law instead of a guideline and industry standard. I also predicted that there would be more lawsuits. I thought it was possible we'd see lawsuits involving Omega X, Luna, Sasings, and SM. Yes to Omega X and Luna. As for Sasings, I more saw stalker fans being arrested 
firing from jobs that allowed them access to personal information or being investigated instead of just sued, like with the RM Correal situation. Because there were more Sasangs who were using their real-life jobs and opportunities to get into places that they shouldn't have. So not as much lawsuits as it is just more general consequences. And then with SM, I was right, but not in the way I expected. Because I was not expecting all that went down this year to go down. <laughs> I did not predict all that. And my final prediction was that SM was going to continue to trash HOT's legacy with remakes and more takedowns of 4K music videos. Now, there's more time in the year, but so far, that didn't happen. I don't think it's because they listened to fans so much as they were so busy with their own shenanigans to dig at HOT. And director Hong, who did a good majority of HOT's music videos, commented on a live stream that he's fighting the copyright issues, so he hasn't given up and I'm thrilled that he's fighting for his art and legacy, because the story version of Outside Castle needs to come back on the internet. You need to understand the full concept of the song, and I feel like the music video did a great job of driving it home. So last year, I made statements. Some of them were more fun music, which yes, we have seen an increase in more fun music. Like Queen Card, very fun. The return of more physical albums than is strictly necessary? Yes, because it earns good money. So of course. A P Nation will either crumble or get better? Time will tell, time will tell. Also, I've not been keeping an eye on it, but you know, you never know. JR will figure it out in editing. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got a thing. It finally happened, guys. <laughs> Baby Monsters actually made their debut. And just in time for Blackpink to fade away. Ooh. And, okay, I have been mentioning this group for years now in our annual Sunbay Favorites slash Predictions episode. So, back in 2020, I first predicted that they would not debut. And if they did, they would definitely not debut at the estimated debut time, which at that point was stated to be early 2021. And I also said that Blackpink would likely be put on the back burner if, when, Baby Monsters debuts. And turns out, Baby Monster did not, in fact, debut in 2021. And the distant disappointment I could feel coming over the horizon in late 2020, that was coming... It, it was. And then in 2021, I talked about how I believe that the, at the time, only two revealed members of Baby Monsters likely would not be staying with YG and also likely not debut under YG, which sadly turned out to be correct because both Jane Wang and Wiki Wei, now known as Wei Chen, are now under different agencies and never got to be anything with baby monsters except just confirmed trainees for the group, which is a bit sad. In 2022, I mentioned that baby monsters might suddenly appear when Blackpink starts to settle down as their contracts go out, and wouldn't you know it, a few days after that episode dropped, YG started teasing baby monsters' actual debut, and it finally happened. And so far, it's kind of mid. That's basically it. Or, so if we're jumping over to what we predict for 2024, 
my prediction is that Blackpink will be no more likely. We maybe we get a goodbye. I still believe that shutdown was their goodbye song, but I am hopefully wrong. But I have a feeling I might not be. <laughs> but I'm hopeful that I'm wrong. The thing with obviously with their debut, some of it was very much from the YG playbook, but I disagreed with some of the comments people were making about it. Because before they debuted, and of course people heard the name of it, and they were like, oh, this is like YMCA. Like old, old school YG family. Which, there was someone who argued with me this year that YG family didn't start till 2009. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing more issues with people who do not know anything before second gen, who are just like, that was when everything started. It's like, what did you think happened during first gen? But I really don't know what to think about them right now. Because there's certain things where it's like, I think YG is trying to go with this strategy, but I think that time will tell. Especially because YG only got probation. I believe he only got probation. Unless he threatens people again, then he's going to get jail time. So I think it's very difficult to predict what he's up to. Yeah, like, YG, the company, has been handling Baby Monster's debut very strangely it's a lot of things that just leads yeah. to nothing i hope that it will be kind of like i didn't like when blackpink debuted like released whistle i was like eh but then Bumbaya came out and i was like oh that's good okay i like that <laughs> i'm hoping the at the time of recording their only song it will not be their last one it likely won't be their last song but i'm intrigued to see what's happening but so far kind of mid for my slightly less depressing and super biased <laughs> predictions for next year, I believe that K-pop tours will be getting more stops. Like, we've seen a lot of groups going on tour lately. Various sizes of groups. But usually with very few stops per continent. And though I think that will still be, like, the main norm, I think we're slowly seeing more groups branch out and do more than just the five same cities each time. A very good example of that is Eric Dom, who is going on his ridiculously long tour with House on a Hill World Tour. That tour lineup date thing? Insane. He's a madman. I'm unsure if he's gonna survive that, because that's a lot. Jumping off of that, I think we might also see more concerts getting postponed due to the idol's health next year. Like, of course, nobody wants a concert that they've paid a lot of money to see get cancelled or postponed. And I'm still salty about TPR cancelling their show in Copenhagen, but you know, whatever, unrelated. But we have seen this year idols struggling on stage with their health issues, and we've also seen more international artists, say, coming out and being like, hey, I have to pause this tour because my health, be it physical or mental, isn't doing great, so we need to postpone it and come back to it at a different time, which I think is healthy, even though it is a situation. I hope we see idols actually being allowed to take time off when they really need it. Because it's been a bad. Yeah, that was my little soapbox. I don't know. 
with the world tours my only concern with because i saw this a couple times in the past two years is that there have been people who've been promoters for it people who've run the tours who have not done a good job so i'm wondering how much more of it who will see promoters who are like hey we want to get these k-pop acts out here because that's money and then they just kind of leave them out to dry or cut off what people paid for yeah so i think we're gonna see more issues but to counteract that though i'm th wondering because there were also a good number of people who signed contracts with multiple countries to have other companies handle management while they're overseas how much of that is going to sort of handle it if they don't just have like their korean company who's trying to broker with a u.s tour company if instead they're signing with for instance a u.s company that will then handle the u.s tour and use more established networks yeah a couple of years ago when the first k-pop concerts started coming to norway and it was very very small groups their management companies were all like the tour managing companies not the record labels got a really bad rep real fast because they had these groups perform basically in like school auditoriums. <laughs> I didn't go to any of these shows because they were very small and I didn't have the money nor interest to go to them. But basically people in the local community was like, we have to start just not going to these shows because these specific promoters are really bad. And there is still, in some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, specific events and specific promoters that are, like, signaled out to the members being like, Hey, if you see anything by these people, don't go to it. Because these promoters are not taking their job seriously. But there's been a shift on that, because we have seen a lot more, like, bigger K-pop acts come here now. Like, not, like, huge, but, like, The Rose, B.I., Eric Nam has all come to Norway and played at actual, like, concert halls and stuff. So I think things are getting better, at least in my local scene. That's good. But there are so many horror stories of really bad things. I have some thoughts for next year. Last year, I actually mentioned wanting to see Jang Nara in a new K-drama, and she is going to be in a new one. It's actually going to air on December 30th, but the majority of the Ooh. episodes are going to be in 2024. So... That's why I'm mentioning it here. It counts. <laughs> yes, it counts, exactly. A couple solo artists that also didn't have comebacks this year, Jung Seun and Sam Kim. Seun released some OSTs, but no true comeback. And then Sam Kim, he had some like writing and producing for other artists, but he didn't have any personal releases. So I'm hoping for some stuff from both of them. And then... Next year, all of N-Flying's members are going to be discharged from the army. Unfortunately, it'll be a little bit later in the year, so a 2024 comeback probably won't happen, but maybe a single track is possible? I don't know. I'm hopeful. But yeah, just want some, some music from my favorite artists. That's about it. Hell yeah. As for my predictions for next year, I've been more active in the HRT community this year, and... I just found HRT to be very suspicious this year. But I think part of it is that they have their trademark. J1 now has a place to practice dancing. He's been recording music, etc. And I'm predicting that we'll find out if they're going to be making moves next year. I think we'll also see more of Gangta gravitating towards his members, which 
I got in trouble with some HOT fans this year because I mentioned that there were two big sort of issues with SM this year that like came on the news. And both of those times, where was Kongta? Not at SM. He was with his members, just hiding out with Wuyok and Jaywon. Which, of course, you know, no one from SM is going to try to track him down there. Like, no. So I think that we're going to see more of him leaning towards them while sort of like SM stuff. Like when he's like doing like his creative director stuff, we don't see much of that anyway. But I think more next year, we're going to see him when he's out and about with his members, not as something to do with SM. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. So last year, my resolution was to not die. And turns out I'm still here. So, amen. ASAT, flying colors. Hell yeah. <laughs> and for next year, my two resolutions are A, try to figure out a better way to display my albums, but that depends on where I end up living next year, because I don't really know. Well, it's a next year problem. And B, Maybe start dancing, but it is kind of scary because I'm a lot better at talking about the things that I want to do instead of actually doing the things that I want to do. (laughs) But time keeps going anyway, no matter if I do the thing or I don't. So why not try? So maybe I'll start dancing again because there's been a lot of good K-pop dances that came out this year and probably will be a lot of good K-pop dances next year, so... Who knows? Maybe. I make no promises. And hopefully I won't die. (laughs) We're rooting for ya. Hell yeah. (laughs) So last year my resolution was just to work on HOT and Deuce, as well as finishing translating HOT Forever. That didn't happen at all because I got sucked into Sungjae's case, which added three months to my research. (laughs) And also because I got a physical copy of HOT Forever and... I ended up putting everything related to HOT on ice until I had time to truly work on it, which I never got this year. This is just more and more happened this year that just piled on to where I just, I didn't even listen to Wuyuk's latest release until this week. Like that's how backed up I am on working on stuff. But my second resolution was to bug Wuyuk into putting out more HOT merch because he's the one who made salt. So it's like, you made salt, you are dealing with the lawsuit, do it, my dude. I didn't end up doing that, first of all, because he released his own light stick and I wanted it because it's rechargeable, allegedly. Mm. So that, I think, is really neat. That alone makes it worth it. And also because if I ever go to an SM concert and bring that, just the looks I would get would be hilarious. (laughs) Second, I know Kongta would approve because the man doesn't even have his own light stick and the HRT isn't available. And allegedly, last year, balloons got taken away from HRT fans. So what are we left with? You know, we're left with Puyuks. That's all we can, that's the best we can do. But the second reason why is that he finally won the lawsuit and was super busy with HRT activities that they've been low-key spoiling. And third, because of the debacle with the other light sticks in the book, because I had been saving up for months for his alleged light stick. So I've been put money away. And then when I went to buy the HOT book, instead of going to my checking account, it took money out of my PayPal that I'd been saving for that. So I was like, oh. They're what my budget, which made me very sad. So I did not have the funds to back up my demand. So why would I, you know, bother Mm -hmm. him with that? As for next year, I want to do a more steady pace with my work instead of all or nothing approach. So here's hoping that when I say I'm going to stick to news and episodes, I actually do it this time. Makes me sad that I'm putting HRT and Hyunjin Young on ice, but I have to do that. 
because I made some concessions because I needed to do some things for next year in order to get the stuff I really want for the year after. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot. So for the past four seasons, I have been saying, I'm going to listen to Buzz, Nell, Girl Groups, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) I kind of actually accomplished some of that. I listened to a single Nell song. They released it this year. I really enjoyed it. My actual hope with Nell has always been to like actually go through their discography, but you know, I'm putting it to bed. If I come across their stuff this upcoming year and I listen to it, that's great. But you know, I'm not carrying it over. I have decided. But on top of that, I actually listened to quite a few female artists. If you check out our Spotify playlists, we do this every year. We have personalized favorites from 2023 that will be in the description. So check that out. You'll see exactly who I was talking about, but specifically Vivis had some really good stuff and I've been enjoying their releases. But in terms of female artists, it's actually been soloists more than anything. So you'll see quite a few soloists on that list. I didn't actually listen to Car the Garden at all, I don't think. So will I listen to him this coming year? Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) I didn't get a light stick. It just completely left my mind. I never thought about it. I did not think about it up until reading this script. So will that happen? I don't know. Again, I have not found a light stick that really stands out to me, so I'm not too too upset about that. And then last year, I also said I wanted to do some outside writing. I wanted to do some writing outside of the sun bays, and that did not happen either. So <laughs> not a whole lot actually went through, Same. but some did. And you know what? I'm calling it a win for that. That being said, this coming year of 2024, I don't really have anything too specific outside of I want to listen to music. I really tried my best this year to do that. And for a while, I was really good about like catching up with releases and staying on top of that. But then life got in the way and I was not as good at it. I just, I know that this coming year is going to be really difficult in terms of balancing things as I'm currently going through a lot of changes, but I do want to make some time for K-pop, even if it's not as much as I have in the past, because it's something that I truly enjoy. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking out for this coming year. That's so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I think with that, we are going to head into the wrap up. As this is our final episode of the year, we just want to say thank you to everyone who stayed with us this season. We ended up doing way more work than we planned to. We really thought we were going to be coasting. As (laughs) usual, we were fools. But we feel that our episodes this year were better for it. Mm -hmm. And we hope you did too. Even though season five isn't starting till July, we'll still be active in early 2024 and we'll release our usual blooper episode as well as a couple of single scoops. And also, not to throw a curveball at anyone, but this is also our final episode as a trio, Ah. which we are very happy about because we are about to be a quartet. 안녕하세요, 여러분. It's Seren here, and I'm the new official Sunbae. I want to thank the K-pop Sunbae's team for letting me in, and I'm also looking forward to season 5 and what 2024 has in store for us. I hope you are too. Stay tuned. Until we meet again next year, stay well. JR, take it away.
As we're at the end of the season and the end of the year, we figured now would be a good time to remind you of our coffee. For those of you who don't know, coffee is a service that allows listeners to tip their favorite creators. All of our content is still going to be free, and of course, there is no obligation to tip us, but if you're feeling so inclined, the option is there. The link is in our description. This year, we will also actually be utilizing our coffee for our look back episode part two, which will be free, and a supplementary follow-up episode to this year's Deuce Deep Dive will also be there. However, this one will be behind a paywall due to its sensitive nature. With all that being said, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, tell your friends about us, and review us on Podchaser. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Also, don't forget that the main podcast is going on hiatus until the middle of next year. More information to come on our Twitter. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and have a happy new year. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.